Good morning. I, uh, I know Scott alluded, Pastor Scott alluded to this last Sunday, I believe. That feels like a long time ago to me now. But uh, today is not just right after Christmas. It's not just Boxing Day. Today is actually a national holiday. It's called National Youth Pastor Preaching Day. So the Sunday that always follows Christmas Eve service, there, you know, everyone, everyone's on holiday mode. Not a whole lot of people are going to show up. There's always that gap between the Advent season and the new series that's going to start in January. So who else, who's going to fill the gap? You got to send up the crazy guy with the blonde mullet, right? So he, uh, so I'm grateful to be preaching today, all jokes aside. I'm always grateful to preach the Word of God. Um, but yeah, just, just thought I'd let you know. It's National Youth Pastor Preaching Day. Um, and I also thought, maybe this is just to get back at Scott a little bit, but uh, I thought, what a better way to end the Christmas season and to kick off the new year that we're looking forward to than preaching on the Ethiopian eunuch, you know? I think, I think eunuch is a really... Really common term that everyone loves to talk about, so we're going to talk about it today. Um, all jokes aside, though, I actually love this story. I've, I've been in a um, college Bible class. I'm still in school, probably will be for the next 18 years, but I had the privilege of studying through the book of Acts um, this past semester, and it made me realize how powerful the story of the Ethiopian eunuch is and how... Um, awesome it is for our faith. So I wanted to bring it today. I think it's one of the most um, powerful and first examples of God working through his followers to bring the good news to the lost. And I think we often overlook the actual main theme of the story. I, I know, I think it was probably 10 years ago now, I read this story and then I thought that I could create a theology of baptism around it. So I wrote a 10-page paper for my professor on why um, churches don't need classes or interviews or you don't need membership to be baptized. And I think I failed that paper. So we, uh, and I think we also look, we look at just the fact that, oh, Philip preached the gospel, it's awesome, he received it, and it's great. And those are both obviously two points of the story, but there's a main theme that I want to bring out today. So we're going to get into it. I'm going to read Acts starting, starting in verse 26 of chapter 8. <clears throat> And of course, I chose my Bible with the smallest writing today, so I'm going to hold it close. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official to Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Philip must be a fast runner. I feel like that chariot was moving pretty quick. Anyways, um, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does, my, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. 
And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found, Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Um, that story is crazy. I always thought it was insane how Philip, I guess Philip just vanishes at the end. I don't know, but that's not the point I want to get at. But uh, so up until this time, well, actually, I got to give a bit of backstory. I don't know how familiar people are with the book of Acts. I used to think it was the most boring New Testament book, um, but now I've, I've changed my mind. But um, if, if you're not super familiar, it was right after Jesus' death and resurrection, um, before literally, well, his last recorded words in the Bible, maybe not his last words, but Jesus, right before he ascends into heaven, he commands his earliest followers to spread the good news, kind of like the Great Commission that we find in Matthew 28, but that's found in Acts chapter 1-8. And his earliest followers were experiencing some crazy growth and momentum. Um, new followers were being added every day to their number. There's a ton of verses in Acts, but I, Acts 6-7 is one of those. Um, and they were experiencing miracles and signs of God's power through the Holy Spirit. So people were being raised from the dead. People were being healed. People were escaping prison. It was crazy. They were also starting to experience persecution. Um, the stoning of Stephen we find in Acts 7, and then Saul ravaging the church in Acts 8. So things were starting to pop off, as the kids would say. Um, but things were starting to get crazy. And God obviously had a vision and mission for his church, but he still had something he wanted the earliest followers to realize. And I think this story is, the main point of this story is that. So up until this time, the good news of Jesus had been preached to only Jewish people. There are instances where Jesus would speak to a Gentile or instances even in the Old Testament where Gentiles were preached to. But up until this moment, Jesus' earliest followers were preaching to only Jewish people. And that's what makes the story of the Ethiopian eunuch I think so powerful, meaningful, and also incredibly controversial for its day. So, the good news of Jesus is available for all people. And I believe that's the main point of Luke's entire gospel, but also what he writes in Acts. Um, and if, just a little side note, Acts is a sequel to the gospel of Luke. And I think if you were going to read Acts, you should read the gospel of Luke first. And then you're good to go. And, but the whole... The whole, um, the deeper I've dived into the Gospel of Luke and Acts, I realize God's heart for the outcast and marginalized in society. Um, God has been orchestrating unlikely relationships with people who don't live up to the status quo all throughout history, and no one is beyond the transforming power of the Gospel. So, I want to take a closer look at this story. Um, I, think it, I think it's crazy. I hope, I hope you guys find it meaningful today. But let's start back again in verse 27. He rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So this verse gives us two great tells, and this is what Luke is getting at. Obviously, the first one is, this person is an Ethiopian eunuch. That's pretty obvious, right? An Ethiopian eunuch. I'll let you Google um, Ethi I'll let you Google eunuchs in Greco-Roman world or in antiquity. Um, as your classic Sunday reading after church. Um, no, it, I, I won't. If you want to, you can. It, it's pretty gruesome, and um, it might 
be a downer on your boxing day. But uh, yeah, if you feel like Googling it, go for it. Um, but this uh, person was likely made into a eunuch um, as to not defile the queen's harem. So eunuchs were, um, they believed, were, they were servants or slaves, but they believed that they were um, not as stupid as normal people <laughs> and not as clouded with lust as normal people so that they were able to be in charge of groups of women without being tempted. And they were actually considered very, um, probably the most prominent slaves or servants. Um, we don't know when this person became a eunuch. It was probably at a pretty young age. Um, but the Ethiopian was in charge of the queen's harem and obviously in charge of her treasure because that's what the Bible tells us. Um, but the Ethiopian, the second thing we realize is the Ethiopians are of high ranking and status. And why do we know this? Well, first off, they have an individual scroll of Isaiah. I'll get into that later. Um, you have to be pretty rich for that. Um, and they're in charge of the queen's treasure. So obviously, he's a very trusted advisor to the queen. Um, and why do I bring these up? Because there's a verse in Deuteronomy 23.1. A eunuch would not be permitted to enter the assembly of the Lord, according to the law. So I'm going to read this verse. Uh, Deuteronomy 23.1. No one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Um, so despite this eunuch status, uh, this old, the Old Testament, the law, pronounced this man unclean and unworthy. Eunuchs were excluded from participation in temple rituals and from full admittance as proselytes into Israel's community. So as a eunuch, he's religiously far off. And as an Ethiopian, he would be um, geographically and ethically far off. So I find it interesting that we never learn this eunuch's name because Luke is very clear to focus on the fact that he's an Ethiopian eunuch. Um, and that brings me to my first point. And this is point number one. God is showing people, his earliest followers, but shows us today. God is showing people that those who were formerly counted as unworthy of being in the assembly of God are now welcome. God is saying, people that are unclean and unworthy, I welcome those people in my house. And I think that's a crazy thing because we still struggle with that today. Or I do, at least, I don't know. Um, verse 28, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And we later find out, well, we, would, we know now that he was reading Isaiah 53, and they, there was no chapter numbers back then on his scroll, so he would have just been reading the scroll of Isaiah, not Isaiah chapter 53. But we know he's reading Isaiah 53. And the fact that he had a personal scroll um, speaks to his wealth and obviously his status. Because back then, we didn't just have book. They didn't just have books that they would just open and read before dinner. Um, any average person would have to hear a scroll or a story read at like a dinner party or a worship assembly, or a different kind of assembly, your average person did not have access to reading material. You would have had to pay for a scribe or a historian to write down stuff. So the fact that he had a scroll of Isaiah speaks to his status and wealth. And he's just reading it, which is pretty crazy to me. But um, he's reading this passage, Isaiah 53, and from this passage, Philip shares the good news about Jesus. And the eunuch believes, and is saved, and is baptized. And sometimes I end this story there, and I, I'm like, what? He didn't have to become a member of the church after he got baptized? 
He didn't have to take it. I think I got interviewed. I was eight when I got baptized, and I got a grueling interview. My parents are here. They're nodding their head. I was like terrified. I was like, why am I being interviewed? I think I'd want to get baptized. But anyways, that's not what I'm focusing on today. But the eunuch believes and is baptized. The good news is available for all people, even the outcasts and marginalized in society. Um, But I think this is the most powerful and crazy thing about this story. Now, understanding how people would have read scrolls, because scrolls were really important, and there's no chapters, there's nothing. People would have heard scrolls read in their entirety. Um, That's the point of reading a scroll. When someone stood up in an assembly to read it, they read the whole thing. So this eunuch would have read the entire scroll of Isaiah at some point, whether he's returning back to Ethiopia on his journey, I don't know. But he would have continued reading the entire scroll of Isaiah, and my Acts professor, Stan Helton, I have to acknowledge him, or else he'd be like, you stole my, my idea. But he put me on this track, and I'm thankful for it. But uh, it says he went on his way rejoicing, and I think that means he likely continued reading the scroll. So he would have eventually made it to Isaiah 56, and I think this is crazy. Um, so the eunuch would have found himself in Isaiah chapter 56, and I'll start in verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer." Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those who are already gathered. I think sometimes we read at face value just the story and we don't go into the nuances of it, but the eunuch would have found himself reading this and I think he would have wept at the compassion of God. He would have just had this crazy experience with Philip, this, I don't know, this insanely fast guy runs up beside the chariot. He would have been like, what's going on? And he's like, has this crazy experience. Philip is suddenly gone. I think that'd be crazy. I don't know what he was thinking. He would have been like, what is going on right now? But he would have still been wondering, okay, awesome. I'm baptized, but technically still the law um, doesn't allow me to enter the worship of God. I can't worship God right? So he would have been wondering, am I fully accepted? And then he would have found himself in Isaiah 56, and he is welcomed into the house of Lord. His prayers and sacrifices are accepted. He is given a name by God that is greater than a son. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. I think that's an amazing truth. Um, And this brings me to my last point, But the acceptance of all people has been God's plan since the dawn of time. Um, We see that in the Old Testament. It actually begins in Genesis. But the acceptance of God's people has been God's plan since the dawn of time. God has always desired to bring the good news 
to all peoples, and that's despite your status, despite your ethnicity, despite your gender, despite anything. God wants all people to be welcomed into the house of the Lord. And that makes me think a lot um, of how I act today. Um, I, I hear stories of like celebrities like Justin Bieber or Kanye West, and some of you are like, who? And that's okay, you don't need to know who they are. But I hear stories of them, and they're like, oh, I'm a Christian now. And I'm super quick to just dismiss them. I'm like, no way you're a Christian, because you don't act properly. And I don't think you're a Christian, because you just look different than me, you act different than me. And I judge people's lifestyles and say, no way, that per- person's not worthy of experiencing the transforming power of the gospel based on what I think. Um, But something God has been making me realize from stories like this is that we do not get to stop undeserving people from experiencing the life-changing transformation of the gospel. Um, God will welcome and accept who he welcomes and accepts. And who am I to stand in God's way? Like, I don't get to decide who God welcomes into his kingdom. God gets to decide that. So what are we called to do in this? Our mission as Jesus' followers is to bring that good news to everybody, no matter what. Um, we can't overlook the obedience of Philip in this story. And I like to think because the Holy Spirit like, literally had to verbally tell him, the angel had to tell him, I think maybe he was, wasn't as obedient as I like to think. But he, he goes up to the chariot and we can't ignore the obedience of him. An angel has never verbally appeared to me and told me to go somewhere. Um, and I've never been warped by the Holy Spirit, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> at least not when I've been sober. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was in the history, not now. Um, I have never been literally warped somewhere. I've never been verbally spoken to by an angel. And we might not see God work that way a ton, at least not where we live. Um, but we do have a clear call as followers of Jesus. And I think sometimes as Christians, we like to just think way too hard about what we're called to do when it's, been, it's very obvious what we're called to do. It's called the Great Commission. <laughs> and it, it's in Acts 1.8. Jesus called us to share the good news, to be the good news. We aren't called to worry about the little details of who God tells me to talk to, who God tells me to help, who God tells me to approach. Our call is to share the gospel the good news, to be a light to a broken world, we let God worry about the rest. And I I think sometimes we just confuse that a little bit. This summer, I was uh, on a trip called Seed Serve with some of our youth. Um, We were spending a week with the mustard seed, helping out people experiencing homelessness. And then one day, we were at the mustard seed um, neighbor center, it's called. And I had all my youth doing all the hard work. And I was able to actually sit down and talk to um, somebody going through a rough time. And this was an older gentleman. He had rode his bike. It was, a, it was a crazy hot summer day. He rode his bike from the shelter to the neighbor center, which is in Northeast Calgary. I don't even know how long of a bike ride that would be. It'd be long. And he, he rode there because the neighbor center was helping him get papers so that he could see a doctor. I sit down. I'm having coffee with this guy. We talk probably for an hour, and he's just venting to me, and I'm like, oh, like, thanks, God, that I can be, like, hopefully some help to this guy. Um, so we talk for a long time, share life stories. I'm feeling good about myself, and then he goes, gets his paper sorted, and he's about to hop back on his bike to leave. And I, I remember God, I feel like God was telling me, he's like, 
go up and say something to him. And I was like, God, what do, you, what do you want me to say? And then I just felt God say, go up and ask if you can pray for him. So I was like, oh, okay, fine, I'll go. And I go outside, and just as he's about to get on his bike, I was like, hey, thanks for like chatting. It's been really nice getting to know you. I was just wondering if I can pray for you before you leave. And he goes, no. And I was like, oh, God, that's not part of what I was thinking. This, uh, that's not how I thought this would go. And I was like, okay. And he's like, no, I don't believe in that. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, uh, it was awesome to get to know you. And I'll, I guess I'll pray for you silently, but I won't let you know. Um, and then we hugged and he rode off. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because not every story is going to be an Ethiopian eunuch story. Um, not every person we speak to is going to be radically transformed. Um, and we're not even always going to listen to the call of God on our hearts. I still don't. I struggle with it all the time. I ignore it all the time. Um, but I want to encourage all of us today to be open and willing to go where God calls us to go. Be open and willing to speak to who God calls us to speak to. Whether it turns into this crazy Ethiopian eunuch story or not, it doesn't matter. I, um, this story serves as as an encouragement to the call on our lives, and that call is to share the gospel and the fact that God is at work all throughout history in radically transforming the lost. We can try our best to share the good news of Jesus, and let's let God worry about the rest. I think that's um, one of the most simple and amazing truths of the Bible, and, and I confuse it way too much. I start worrying about other things, but I, I think it's awesome. Let's let God worry about the rest, and let's try and live out our call as believers. I'd like to pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you that you sent your son, Lord, that we, uh, we just celebrated Christmas, the birth of your son, and the fact that he lived a sinless life. Um, he relates to us as humans, and through his death and resurrection, we are set free um, from death and sin. And Lord, we can't thank you enough. And we, we know through the life of Jesus and through his words the call that you have put on our lives. And we don't know exactly what that looks like for every person, Lord, but I pray that as we go into the coming days and weeks, that we would um, yeah, be aware of people that you have put in our lives that, that need the good news, that need the gospel, that need um, a light in their dark world. So Lord, I pray that you would encourage us all as we leave today to, uh, yeah, to be a light to a broken world to be willing to go where you call us to go and to be willing to share your good news as you've commanded us, Lord. And Jesus, we love you and we pray this in your name. Amen.